You're listening to a live audio recording from Women's Bible Fellowship at LEFC. This is week five of Sacred Rhythms on the topic of prayer. So this morning, we're switching to our next sacred rhythm, the spiritual discipline of prayer. And just like with reading the Bible, um, prayer is something we know that is expected of us as disciples of Jesus. We should pray. We're commanded to pray. But yet it can feel surprisingly unnatural. You had other experiences like this in your life? A while back, um, my family and I changed our habits to eat less processed food. And it was quite the learning curve. And I don't know, maybe you've uh, heard the arguments or said them yourself. If this healthy food is so good for me, why does it taste so bland? (laughs) Right? (laughs) I just think, too, like, you know, when you try that new smoothie recipe that everybody's raving about online, you're like, okay, mix it up. And you're like, wow, this tastes like dirt. Like, (laughs) and then your next question, your next thought is, am I missing something? Like, what is wrong with me? Right? Am I the only one who feels this way? So I know that's just a comical example, but this occurs in a lot of different places in our life. And so I think instead of looking at that feeling head on and dealing with it, we often resort to just going quiet, covering it up with shame. And that's a really unhelpful response because it's so isolating. And it can be especially crippling when we're talking about our spiritual lives, about something like this. So it turns out our taste buds can actually change. Do you know that? So we needed, my family and I needed to train our bodies to prefer the taste of real food over the taste of artificial food. And it certainly wasn't easy, but it was worth it in the end. So instead of growing quiet with shame, let's be honest about our struggles. I hope you're getting the chance to do that in your small groups. And this idea that something is wrong with me, or what would so-and-so think if they knew this about me, is the the very lies of the enemy that just keep us trapped and stagnant. This applies to so many things, not just prayer, but I wanted to remind you of that truth this morning. On one hand, God has given his spirit to his children, and that spirit changes our taste buds, that we actually begin to desire this holiness. We want to be close to God. We want to be conformed to Christ. But on the other hand, this is a process, and we must wage war against these desires of the flesh that are pulling us in the opposite direction. And that takes effort. (laughs) So as we journey through this together, let's be honest, let's fight the lies with truth and continue to encourage one another to press on in these rhythms because this is worth it. This is what training ourselves in holiness looks like. Okay, so the subject of prayer. There are a lot of ways to engage with the scriptures But it seems for some reason there are exponentially more ways to pray. So it's a little hard to lay out a path through this discipline. So what we're going to do this morning is just look at some foundational truths, and we'll get to some practical advice then as well. So let's start with the definition. Um, Prayer is communication with God in response to him. Communication with God in response to him. So if you read between the lines... Who's initiating the communication? Who's initiating the communication? God. Do you see that? 
So this might seem like a minor point, but it's actually the most important. You know how we started out learning that the Bible is God's self-revelation? That means he doesn't just exist, but that he wants to be known, and he's invited us into a relationship with himself. And you all know that a huge part of relationships is communication. Cindy talked about that earlier. So that's where we start. God loved us first. We would not naturally desire him. We do not naturally desire him. He loved us first. He spoke first. And then we reciprocate that communication through prayer. So Donald Whitney says that prayer is not only a divine summons, but also a royal invitation. And again, if you read between the lines, you'll hear that the way we view prayer is directly related to our view of God. What we believe about who God is will affect if, how, and why we pray, as well as what we say to him. Cindy showed an example from her own life about this, but just think logically about this. If you view God as a strict school principal, what kind of stuff are you going to be willing to share with him? What if he was a cold, impersonal judge? Would you draw near to him, or would you kind of want to avoid him? What if he was the fun uncle who didn't have any rules? Like, would you feel secure? But what if he was a good father? What if he was loving and holy and just and merciful? That would change the way you interact with him. We must stay anchored in the word because a right knowledge of God is informed from the truth of the scriptures. Our knowledge of God, whether it's accurate or misinformed, also affects our view of ourselves, too. Jen Wilkins says, There is no true knowledge of self apart from the knowledge of God. A wrong view of God will either lead to an overinflated view of ourselves or an underinflated view of ourselves. And guess what? That affects if and how and why we pray too. If you think you're all that in a bag of chips, you're not going to feel the need to pray. And on the flip side, if you think you're just worthless, you're not going to readily come into the presence of the Creator. So we need a right perspective, a right knowledge of God and a right knowledge of ourselves. This is found in the truth of his word. And this renewal of our minds is part of our sanctification, that we're seeing things rightly. This is part of our growth in holiness. But remember from the first week, we're not pursuing holiness to earn God's favor. In prayer, it's not about how much emotion you can muster up or credentials, if you've had a good spiritual day or not. These are not the things that turn the face or the ear of God towards his children. Instead, it's the righteousness of his son. It's because we are found in Christ that the Lord looks upon us with favor. It's often said our access into the Father's presence was purchased through Christ, and that is completely true. But it also just sounds rather transactional to me. I want you to realize Jesus is not just this door that we walk through into the Father's presence, but we're actually joined to him in faith. We're enshrouded in his righteousness. 
And it's because of that, it's because of his righteousness and his holiness that we're welcomed into the presence of God. Now, what kind of holiness am I talking about here? Is this justification or sanctification? Remember this from week one? Yes, justification, right? It's justification. It's completely on the merit of Christ. Completely on his merit. Nothing we have done. This is why Hebrews says we're to approach the throne of grace with confidence. If you don't feel confident in yourself, great. You're supposed to be confident in him. It's his merit that grants us audience and access to the Father. So all that to say, a right knowledge of God and of self are both found in Scripture, but we can be even more specific that these things are found explicitly in the gospel. Think of it. Nowhere else other than the cross of Christ is the depravity of our sin on full display. And nowhere else is the character of God more fully on display. We deserve his wrath, and yet Christ stepped in as our substitute. The gospel will always remind us of our utter lack. We could not do this ourselves, and God's abundant grace to meet that need. Those two things will always drive us to prayer. And as we grow and mature in Christ, both our lack and our awareness of his grace, they only grow. We never move on from the gospel, but we sink our roots deeper and deeper into these truths. The more we see our lack and the more we see God's grace, the more we're going to be driven to pray. The gospel screams that we are not self-sufficient. Delight of God is found in increased dependency on him. So what does responding to our lack and to God's grace in prayer look like, practically speaking? Do you know the acronym ACTS? A for adoration, C for confession, T for thanksgiving, and S for supplication. I should have quizzed you instead of just showing it to you. This is often used with teaching people how to pray in a more well-rounded manner. We're going to come back to this. But would you just look at this with me? Do you see how each of these things could be a response to our lack and or his grace? So adoration is praise for who God is and what he's done. We recognize the unmerited favor of God extending himself towards us, and that prompts us to praise. Confession should be our response when we recognize our lack our complete inability to obey God perfectly. Thanksgiving, maybe we've seen God provide for a specific need, which indicates a lack of some sort, and so we're responding to him in gratitude. Or maybe that flows from meditating on a specific attribute of his character. And supplication means making our requests known to God. Just that in and of itself is lack. We know we can't do it. We need help. Our needs, our weaknesses, our inability to control something or to fix something. Now, as much as I love me a tidy acronym, prayer is much more multifaceted than this. (laughs) There's a wide array of communication with God. and We're going to talk more about that at the end. But if you are stuck and you're like, I don't even know what to say to God. I don't know what to pray. I don't know where to start. Start with the gospel. Start by meditating on the gospel. Who is God? Who are you? What is your need? What is your lack? 
What has Christ done for you? How marvelous is his grace? So I wanted to start with this foundation of prayer, but I would also be remiss to not acknowledge some of the big questions that rise up in us surrounding this topic. And I think a question that most people struggle with at some point is, why should I pray? And this is supposed to be a wonderful privilege, an experience with God, right? We talk about it in very glowing terms, but it often doesn't feel that way. It's so much harder than dialoguing with another human being that we can see and touch and audibly hear. First of all, we pray because scripture commands it and because Jesus modeled it. And I recognize that's a because I said so answer, but we have to start there because God and his word are our authority. There is an expectation of obedience even if we don't fully understand the why. How many of you have said that to your kids this week? Mm -hmm. I did this morning. (laughs) But that being said, there are reasons why God gave us this command and the gift of prayer. And we started this class by talking about the cost-benefit analysis. So it's okay to ask, is the benefit worth the cost of me training myself in this discipline and graciously God has not left us in the dark in fact that kind of leads into the second big question that we often have about prayer is does it change anything more often than not we're asking that with a specific situation in mind and this is what it is our real lived experiences are contradicting what we are being taught or we're reading in the word what we know to be true. We've got to deal with that tension. If you feel your lack of ability to change a circumstance, to change someone's heart, to handle what's in front of you, or to fight temptation, then you're in a great place to pray because you recognize your lack. You know you can't do it on your own. Yet I would guess that every single one of us in this room has experienced God not answering our prayers in the way we desired. I only know a handful of your stories, and I know that this is a real lived experience of God's children. So either God isn't who he says he is, or prayer doesn't work. Or there's a third option, and it's that God is who he says he is, that prayer does work, it changes things, but that our understanding is limited. And that's why we have to start by allowing scripture to inform us of who God is. Our experiences and our feelings in this broken world are not the ultimate metric of what's true about God. And praise him for that. But I think when God doesn't answer our prayers the way we hoped, and this is especially hard if we're asking for good things and we feel like we're asking with the right motives, our metric for the effectiveness of prayer is also just limited. We want tangible change, right? We want tangible change. And that's what we are considering to be, does prayer work? But it doesn't always work that way. So think of it this way. Sometimes, prayer changes us. God uses prayer, even if we're praying for something else, to sanctify us, to bring us into greater conformity with Christ. That's why prayer is a sacred rhythm. 
And we're going to talk a lot more about that next week. Sometimes prayer changes things in the spiritual realm. There is protection granted. There's provision for spiritual needs like strength, courage, joy, endurance, growth. Not to mention the salvation and sanctification of others. These are things that are not always measurable. We may never know the effects of our prayers on the side of eternity. And lastly, sometimes there is tangible change. Sometimes we do see bodies healed and marriages restored and praise the Lord for that. God does indeed work through the prayers of his people and he's invited us to join him in this restoration work on this earth. It is God's will to save and sanctify his people. And we have the promise that one day everything will be made right. But that is not going to be fully realized until he comes again. And so submitting to his will now means we're not always going to understand, but we're going to keep praying. We're going to keep praying because we recognize our lack, but we're going to leave the results of it in his hands. Who knows what type of change he may be bringing about. And I also recognize that this is really easy to say, but it's quite another thing to work out in your real life. But just know, this is why we're talking about sacred rhythms in the first place. If you want to be close to God, if you want to trust him with these huge questions, then we've got to know him. We've got to know who he actually is. We do that through the means he's given us, through his written word, through prayer, and through the body of his church. These are his good gifts to us. There are even more benefits of prayer. We're going to continue building on these things in the next few weeks. But I want you to remember that whether we're talking about the if, the how, or the why of prayer, what is the goal as a sacred rhythm? Do you remember this goal of all of our spiritual disciplines? Yeah, sanctification. Our growth in holiness. Our growth in holiness. This is closeness and conformity to to Christ. And in light of what we talked about today, I want you to remember that there is delight in dependency. There's delight in dependency. Recognizing our lack puts us in the correct posture to receive his grace. I would just like to pause and pray right now before we move into the skill building time. It seems like a good and right thing to do. Would you join me? Father, we just um, acknowledge who you are, that you are good, that you are a loving Father, and that you are so much higher and bigger than what our minds can understand. And Father, we just pause again and recognize our utter need and dependency on you, that there is nothing good in ourselves that would warrant your favor. And so Christ, we thank you for your willingness and your love to step in in our place, to be our substitute so that we can be reconciled to God, that we are no longer children of wrath but adopted into your family. 
And Spirit, thank you for joining us into the life of Christ. Would you continue to work this out in us, prompt us to bring our needs to the Father quickly and honestly. Thank you for your work, and we want to participate with it. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so, switching gears. We looked briefly at this ACTS acronym, but I want to come back to it here. So, this can be helpful, but it also has its limitations. So, the benefit is, is that it gives us some broad categories of communicating with God, so we don't end up super lopsided in our prayers, that we're always just asking God for things, and that's all we do. So, it's a good thing to evaluate, which we'll do in a minute, but... The limitation is that it can feel somewhat restrictive. So my personality type is like, I want to make sure I'm praying correctly and have it all figured out, okay? The other end of the personality spectrum is like, that's way too much structure for me. Like, I'm not even giving that a second look. So we're just going to broaden this a bit. I'd like to offer you a happy medium, okay? It's called fruit salad prayer. And just humor me, okay? I made this up. Um, what I want you to see is how all these different elements of prayer are important, but there's not an exact recipe for every single person, and not even for every day. Okay? So I have a handout for you. Could you just take one and pass it back to Okay. So it looks like this. And this is what I want you to do. You're going to work on this in your small groups. The first thing you need to do is, is put your brains together and try to come up with different types of prayer for the fruits. Now, this is a pretty big list. Acts only has four. So that's why you kind of need to work together. But just come up, see what you can come up with. Come up with as many as you can. If you don't fill it out completely, that's fine. If you're completely stuck, then let me know. I have a cheat sheet, okay? So I'm not leaving you like without a line. And then once you have your, your fruit key, if you will, then I'd like you to just work on these different batches, these different recipes. What elements of prayer do you see in your normal practice? Which ones are missing? What would you like to be more incorporated? Okay? So you can take about 10 minutes and just do this together at your tables. If you don't get to completely finish it and like the question at the bottom, it's okay. You're going to actually have a chance to discuss it more next week. So go ahead and take about 10 minutes to fill this out. So this is what my ideal fruit salad looks like. Does it look something like yours? I was going to make you play with the pom-poms, so I just... <laughs> Okay, but really, in real life and in prayer, right? Like, I love eating fresh fruit salad that someone else made, yeah. don't you? Like, it takes so much time to wash and cut all that fruit up. But hopefully you see where this is going. The more variety we have in our prayers, the more we enjoy God through them. We can just really get stuck in a rut sometimes, and so it's good to think about that. And remember, my recipe is not the same as yours. And it's not even going to be the same every day. These fruits are, have seasons, right? Literally. And same with prayer. And we've talked about prayer being a response to God and his revelation, but prayer is also very much a response to what's happening in us and around us by directing that response to God. 
So there's, that's why there's not a recipe. God just wants us to communicate with him. I would never want to impose a formula on you that would hinder you from just coming to God quickly. That's the most important thing here. But I hope you're hearing this. It is a two-sided coin. So like on one hand, we do want to be intentional and train ourselves and learn and grow in some of these different things. Um, sometimes that means intentionally working on a, an aspect of prayer that we've never touched. Okay, but then on the other side of this, it is good and right that you just come quickly and honestly and openly to your Father. And so these two things end up working in tandem. And the more that we um, spend time training ourselves in this, in this sacred rhythm, um, the more that language of prayer is just there. It's just in your heart more and more. And so this communication with God in all the different aspects just begins to feel more natural. But it does require effort. And so we continue to press on towards that goal. Okay.